Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to Seriously, the podcast from the New Statesman that takes pop culture seriously. I'm Caroline Crampton. And I'm Anna Leskovich. This week we're going to be talking about the film Hidden Figures and the BBC drama The Moorside. Caroline's also listened to the Sampha album Process for the first time, so she'll be telling us how that went later in the show. Hello! Hello! Welcome back to another episode of Seriously. It's nearly that time. Yes, our Harry Potter quiz tickets go on sale in the next couple of days. If you are listening to this on Tuesday, they go on sale tomorrow, Wednesday the 15th of February at 12pm, aka midday. I don't know, maybe we're hyping this too much, but the last couple of times they've sold out ludicrously fast, like in five or ten minutes. So if you didn't manage to get tickets for a previous Harry Potter quiz and really want to come, make sure you're like sat on your computer at 12 o'clock. Yep, and this will be the same quiz as the one we've done previously, so no sneaky moles from other quizzes. If you've been to one of the Harry Potter quizzes before, keep the secrets, don't tell anyone the answers, and we should have a great time, so we look forward to seeing you there. We've also been perusing your emails, and we've got an absolutely amazing one from Alana, who says... This is not a recommendation, but more of a statement. Since innocently downloading 80 days after last week at your recommendation, this is the mobile game that Anna played on my recommendation, she says, I now find myself slightly addicted. I have now made it round six times, killed Fog 4, been kidnapped by Captain Nemo and his submarine, got engaged and seduced all the men and women of the globe. This week, could you please recommend an 80 days rehab? <laughs> so I'm sorry, not sorry, Alana, who signs herself Alana, aka Passapatu. Oh, that's which, so cute. If you've also been playing the game, you know that you play the character of Passapatu, Phileas Fogg's valet. And you, you know, make all the arrangements and try and keep him safe as you go around the world in under 80 days. But so, yeah, I appreciate that it is a massive time suck, Alana, but I hope it's brought you some joy. Oh, that's so sweet. We've also had an email from Ella who gets in touch because of our long running Sherlock disdain. And she suggests Elementary as a possible alternative, which we have talked about before, which is the TV series starring Lucy Liu and Johnny Lee Miller. She also says special mention to Natalie Dormer, who has an amazing arc, who's an actress I like. So she says that there's lots of things to recommend this one she says it's far more diverse than the bbc Mm. sherlock in this one they managed to show sherlock's superior intellect brusqueness and social indelicacy but while giving him moral intelligence and empathy and just that it's more nuanced and that she likes the female watson so lots of things going for elementary i think i binged through most of series one a couple of years ago and then for whatever reason maybe it wasn't 
then any more of it available on the streaming service I was using or something then just stopped Mm. and I liked it in a different way than I used to like Sherlock in the sense that obviously it's done in a more like classic American TV way of like 24 episode series it's a lot more formulaic as a kind of police procedural Mm. with the added like Holmes Watson stuff in there but the episodes mostly follow a distinct pattern which is sometimes comforting and attractive in a TV show yeah and what we want from Sherlock really so actually having received Ella's email about this I'm definitely gonna give elementary another go because I think its pattern and its formulaicness is maybe what I need right now I need a kind of reassuring show Mm -hmm. I can just like watch a couple of episodes of (laughs) to stop me stressing out about everything oh well thanks so much Ella who signs off her email I'm gonna end things here as this got far far too long and it's 1am on a work night (laughs) which I quite like so cheers Ella The first thing we're going to talk about this week is Hidden Figures, which is a biopic telling the story of three African-American mathematicians working at NASA in the early 60s. It stars Taraji P. Henson as Katherine Johnson, Octavia Spencer as Dorothy Vaughan, and Janelle Monae as Mary Jackson, alongside Kevin Costner and Kirsten Dunst. Catherine! We all gonna end up unemployed riding around in this pile of junk. You're welcome to walk the 16 miles. Oh, sit in the back of the bus. <laughs> you kiss me up. You have identification on? We're just on our way to work at NASA, sir. I had no idea they hired. There are quite a few women working in the space program. There's no protocol for women attending. There's no protocol for a man circling the Earth either, sir. Every time we have a chance to get ahead, they move the finish line. Every time. We all get there together, we don't get there at all. It's good to know uh, NASA hadn't given up on good old-fashioned brain power. Let me ask you, if you were a white male, would you wish to be an engineer? I wouldn't have to. I'd already be one. Yeah, so this is done amazingly well at the box office, we should start by saying. So this is a yeah. like a biopic in that really kind of blockbustery style almost. It's feel good, it's empowering, it's got some like fun original music, which is always something that I see as like the hallmark of like a big almost like summer blockbuster mm-hmm. is that it's got like a pop star doing some of the songs in it. And Pharrell has done some of the music on this. And yeah, it's just been raking it in. It's outperformed La La Land as like the biggest box office draw that's Oscar nominated at the moment. So that's amazing. Which is amazing, yeah. And not that I'm any kind of box office analyst expert or anything but i would guess that the reason why this is outperformed all the other biopics on offer at the moment is because it's funny Mm. it deals with a serious biographical story but inside of that the characters have quite well-rounded personalities and they're allowed to have lighter moments as well as darker moments yeah and it's definitely the most optimistic feel-good thing Mm. you could see at the cinema at the moment really i mean i guess la la land is similar in in that it's you know, colourful and loud and that that has got that kind of bounciness to it as well. But I mean, there's great long swathes of La La Land that are just two people agonising about their <laughs> career. And so it can be a bit miserable in parts. And this is just, yeah, as you say, it's fun, it's funny, and it's just like smashing the idea that black women can't lead a hugely commercially successful film. It's just completely putting that myth to bed. Yeah, so maybe let's over-theorise this a bit more and say that Hidden Figures is like, the film that America wants to see right now, Mm -hmm. not to go into the politics, which we don't really do on this podcast, but I can see that if you are in any way progressive person living in America right now, that supporting a film that shows how once upon a time your country did great things for diversity (laughs) and science and liberalism might be a really good, like, couple of hours of escapism for you. Yeah. 
So it tells the story of them all working at NASA. It opens with them sort of in the car on the way to work, getting stopped by a white policeman. And I think even that immediate first scene gives you a sense of the sort of tone of the film. Sorry, it's slightly prefaced by like a childhood in sepia, like pre-credit scene. But this is kind of like the first scene that represents the film as a whole. And yeah, they get pulled over by this policeman, which is a scene we've seen a lot in American TV and film. And one that never ends well, as it often doesn't in life, when a white policeman stops a car full of black people, especially if they're in a nice car. In this, it becomes really funny because the policeman finds out they work at NASA and wants to give them a special escort on their way to work and, you know, asks them about the astronauts and the Russians. And it takes that very, like, dark scenario and makes it kind of funny without ever trivialising what's going on. And that's actually a pattern throughout the film because another recurring motif in this film is that the Katherine Johnson character who gets assigned to work in an all-white, all-male group that's trying to calculate the trajectories for this upcoming Mm. space launch she's the only black woman who works there she has to like get all the way across the nasa campus to go to the loo because Mm. they have segregated toilets and the nearest like colored ladies room is a really long way away so she like sprints there and back several times a day in the rain often she takes piles of work with her so she can like carry on working while she's running and whilst that's obviously a horrible discrimination and like reveals something really awful about the underlying structures they make it in parts funny like Mm. the music that accompanies her like mad dash you know you see some shots like of her legs under the desk like crossing and stuff Mm. like you're allowed to laugh at the absurdity of the small incidents whilst also appreciating the horror of the whole thing yeah definitely and it's played for laughs up front and then each time it happens specifically the last time she has to leave the office to run to the toilet it's sort of its greater significance becomes more apparent and you know it basically ends the segregation at nasa in terms of toilets and drinking fountains but who knows how realistic that is or whether that's sort of some a nice like you know cherry on top for the movie but it also allows us to see a, a sort of slightly uncomfortable aspect so kevin costner's character is katherine johnson's boss He's the kind of senior science man in charge of the space launch, and he's trying to get this maths to work. Mm-hmm. And they initially have the confrontation about the coloured bathroom situation because he's like, where do you go? You are never here when I need you. Mm-hmm. So he's initially trying to tell her off. And then she like loses it and is like, I have to go to the coloured bathroom and it's really far away and that's why. And It's the only time she breaks composure in the whole thing. Yeah. And she also points out that the like white dudes she works with have like got her a special coffee pot and stuck mm-hmm. the word coloured on it because they can't even bear to share a coffee thing with her. And Kevin Costner's character gets really mad and he goes and like, in, I think a bit that's in the trailer, he goes and whacks the sign off the coloured ladies room mm-hmm. in front of all of the black women who have to use it. And he's like, we don't have segregated bathrooms anymore. This is bullshit. Mm. Which is obviously good. But what annoys me is that he does it from a motivation of wanting her to work harder. He doesn't do it from a motivation of what is fair or just. It's a slightly odd white saviour moment in Mm. this movie. You want to root for the Kevin Costner character, but as you say, he's really this like quite capitalistic force in the film who's constantly telling them all that they're never allowed to like see their wives and children, obviously because they're all men he sort of says says it like that doesn't make special addresses to the Catherine character and yeah that they need to come in early every day stay late every night never take a lunch break and while you're like really happy every time that one of the three main women gets a promotion or 
gets a really cool assignment you're also like god <laughs> i kind of feel bad that these people just have no like employment rights at mm. all seemingly there's a very interesting aspect with the the dorothy vaughan character because it's you kind of follow these three women in their different fields you know Catherine's a mathematician dorothy is like a supervisor although obviously very skilled scientist herself she's become more of a kind of leader and manager and uh, mary jackson is an aspiring engineer so in dorothy's storyline she's kind of got two things she's trying to get recognized to the rank of supervisor and get the pay and prestige Mm -hmm. that goes with that when she already does the work but then also she works out that computers are going to be a thing up until the time of this film a computer was a person who Mm -hmm. checked calculations and she's like oh ibm it's a thing i see it coming like the white dudes who are trying to install it don't seem to know how to do it so she goes off and like learns by herself how to program computer so then when they're like we need women to do this she's like well me and all of the black women who work for me already know how to do this Mm -hmm. so she protects their jobs and status through her own initiative which is so interesting because my mum's a computer scientist and she's told me stories about in the early 70s and stuff when she first started working how programming was automatically seen as like a woman job because it was seen to be repetitive and sort of secretarial Mm. But a lot of women took advantage of that. She worked in a very big corporation and women who'd previously only been allowed to be secretaries, they weren't allowed to be research analysts or anything, would learn how to program the computers, make themselves totally essential and then quietly like rise up that way. Yeah, that's really cool. And so I sort of recognised that in what Dorothy Vaughan did. She was saying she basically recognized a way of like beating the white people at their own game yeah for me that was like the coolest bit of the film was when she walks down this corridor with all the people that she's basically bringing up through the ranks with her it's so inspiring isn't it that's how you ever want to be if you're in a position of power in a workplace like recognizing who's being discriminated against and like bringing them up with you rather than like shitting on them Mm. (laughs) Uh, which is obviously what the Kirsten Dunst character is doing the performances in this I just thought are amazing Mm. because they're so funny and so warm and just really engaging in a way that's I just fell in love with all three of those main characters and the way that they acted together they had so much chemistry And it just makes this film such a joy to watch because they are so good. There are so many lovely moments as well when they're not at work. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking particularly of one when they're they're at like a church barbecue or something. Oh my God. And um, (laughs) Catherine is the least outgoing of the three. The the other two are, you know, quite like self-confident and self-assured. And she's quite like, oh, I don't know. I can't speak to a boy. And the other two just like engineer this this guy who's obviously interested in her. Like he comes over, they start a conversation and then they're like. That Colonel Jim is a tall glass of water. He's coming over. Now why would he be doing that? Because Mary's waving at him. Oh, Dorothy, slice of pie. I love one. You already have a slice uh-huh. of pie, Dorothy. <laughs> shout really out funny. to um mahershala ali who is also in moonlight i know he's having a stellar he's Oscar having an season. amazing year and bim adawunmi who used to write for the new statesman works for buzzfeed now in the states she did some tweets about how much she wants to see a mahershala ali rom-com and like i could not agree more yes i want more proposal scenes featuring mahershala ali this year because he was just so great and he's so handsome and he's just got like again that chemistry that's just amazing to see on screen and he is really good in that much more serious dramatic role he has in in moonlight and hopefully you know he's oscar nommed for that and hope mm. maybe a oscar winner hopefully but i just 
love that lightness of touch in the, in those kind of comedy romantic scenes. It, this film has everything, doesn't it? Because it has that slight romance element, which could be seen as patronising, I think, in a film like this about three career women. Mm. But it's done so kind of delicately that it just feels great. And it will make you howl. Like the scene where he proposes to Catherine like with her children and her mum like at the dining table and they already know that he's gonna do it and yeah it will just make you like how it's amazing it's so good I also want to shout out to a couple of tv actors in this so we've got Jim Parsons from the Big Bang Theory and then I actually don't know his name (laughs) lack of research from me there's a guy from Scream Queens did you did we do Scream Queens on the podcast yeah Yeah. so you know the like jock the main jock from Scream Queens is the main astronaut in this yes yes absolutely and he's so all-american looking and so yeah yeah, he's just like the perfect kind of pin-up of an American astronaut and yeah he's like Captain America but not essentially he is the ideal that Captain America was based on Uh, also I love the bit that it's in the trailer like completely out of context but even it's almost better that way him on the phone just going let's just get the girls to check the numbers (laughs) it's absolutely brilliant (laughs) he's great because in Scream Queens he plays like a parody of that character a lot less intelligent but similarly like masculine and ridiculous and in this he completely plays it as you know serious and he can do both things with just the same amount of like you still laugh the same amount at the character do you know what I mean um so I love that it works though in this performance and in this film I think because so much of what like is driving the underlying arc i.e America must get to space and to the moon before Russia does is about American exceptionalism and like America is better than everyone else and like fuck off communists mm. so the fact that they would like embody that in his specific type of masculinity just makes total sense yeah so that's Glenn Powell from Screen Queens and Hidden Figures so hopefully we'll see a bit more of him because I liked him a lot but of course he could not overshadow the three main actresses in this who were just outstanding and more fun not too heavy and bleak films for black women I think because it feels like black women are always pigeonholed into these very kind of depressing roles and it was great to actually see some black women get drunk and have fun in Mm. a way that we weren't meant to judge on screen I loved that it was really cool So I know we said before that if you only take one biopic forward from Oscar season, it should be loving. But I want to amend that and say it should also be Hidden Figures. Yeah, have a good time. Go see Hidden Figures. I guess what I mean by that is like loving is a very serious, like beautiful, reflective film of the type that like Lion and others are trying to be. Whereas Mm -hmm. Hidden Figures is like an all round great night out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Get some popcorn. Have a drink. Go see Hidden Figures. Summertime in Virginia was an oven. All the kids eating ice cream with their cousins. I was studying while you was playing the dozens. Don't act like you was there when you wasn't. Running from the man. Running from the badge. Don't act like you was there when you wasn't. Running for the plans. In the judge's hands. Don't act like you was there when you wasn't. The next thing we're going to talk about is the more side, a new BBC drama based on the infamous 2008 kidnapping of Shannon Matthews in West Yorkshire. If you are an American and haven't heard about this at all, it might be interesting to watch the more side without knowing about this case. Anyone British is not going to be able to do that. But yeah. if you if you are American and you love, you know, true crime drama series then and you don't want to know, listen no further. 
So the Shannon Matthews case made national headlines when it was revealed that Shannon's own mother, Karen, had planned the kidnap, along with her boyfriend's uncle, in an attempt to secure reward money for Shannon's eventual discovery. This drama sees Sheridan Smith in the lead role as Karen's friend and search party leader, Julie Bushby. I mean, we all remember the Shannon Matthews case. It was obviously massive, less big before the revelation that Shannon's mother, Karen, was involved, I believe. Yeah, but it seemed up until that point to follow the pattern of other, you know, young girls going missing, Madeline McCann, mm-hmm. Holly Wells and Jessica Chapman, you know, mm-hmm. it, all, it had all of the hallmarks of that kind of case, you know, girl last seen coming home from school, then not seen anymore, police initially put loads of effort into finding her alive then they switch to you know it's been mm-hmm. three weeks we're going to find her dead community gets behind it all of those things you know uh, i think it was the sun newspaper that offered the reward they upped it from 20 to fifty thousand pounds mm-hmm. as time went on you know it all seemed totally classic if you can say that about such a distressing true life incident mm-hmm. and then of course there was the like couldn't make it up true crime twist of after the police find shannon alive but drugged and not very well hidden in like the base of a bed at her uncle's house or something Mm -hmm. and it all unravels really quickly as you know this was a plot by her family to you know claim the reward money essentially to like exploit the media and like public interest in cases that look just like this Mm. and i remember i feel like there were lots of columns at the time saying things like it's interesting that this case hasn't had anywhere near as much media attention as madeline mccann because the mccanns were doctors and they were well off and they were at a nice glitzy resort and they were blonde and beautiful and bad things aren't meant to happen to people who aren't like working class Mm. and i think people felt a bit betrayed when it then came out that actually this wasn't the case that they thought it was. Because it's so easy to demonise people after a case like this, don't you think? Yeah. And I saw a headline today that actually just from the renewed interest in the case, Karen Matthews was in jail for four years, but she's been released now. And there are all these paparazzi pictures of what the Daily Mail were calling, you know, Britain's most hated mum. And the headline was like, Britain's most hated mum eats at Toby Carvery for £6.50. <laughs> You're like, what is that headline? What's even going on here? Are they saying that she's poor because it's £6.50? And like, is that something that we're kind of sneering at? Or is it saying that she's like spinging or like <laughs> £6.50 that she shouldn't get to have because she should still be in prison? Like, I just didn't get it at all. And it seems like class is really bound up in this particular case in in ways that I just can't properly fathom. Yeah, it's so layered into this drama as well. So the Sheridan Smith character, Julie, she's a kind of informal community leader already i read somewhere that she was like chair of the residents association mm-hmm. the more side is the name of the estate where everyone involved in this is from and so she very quickly rallies a kind of she gets a community center open she starts organizing people like members of the public who are interested and concerned to start looking all of this kind of stuff she you know becomes a figurehead for the public response as opposed to the police response but she has lines where like at one point her 
she's telling her kids and she's saying like, oh, you know, the reward's gone up to 50,000. 50, and her son's like, it was like 1.3 million for Madeleine McCann. Like mm. they're making the comparisons about themselves all the time. Mm. And I think this is a two-part drama. We've seen the first episode and the first episode ends like just as Shannon has been found and everyone's celebrating that she's safe. And just at the moment when like Julie realizes that Karen is involved, you know, her friend who she's been like trying to support and be beside the whole time. And so it's this like weird mix of kind of elation and also horror at the same time. Mm. But just before she realizes she's been saying to someone like, we showed them, we showed them that we're not like that. Mm. So the whole drama has been set up and no doubt the real life events as well. Like everyone in that community was like, people, people think we're horrible benefit scroungers because we're poor. Mm. But we've shown them that, you know, we're a tight-knit, loving community that cares about one of our own, you know. And then, of course, it turned out to, you know... But then, like, the bad action of one individual doesn't say anything about anyone exactly. else. Exactly, and I feel really conflicted about this being made into a drama. Aside from the, like, obvious problems, like, did they get in touch with Shannon Matthews? to say what? How does this impact her? She's you know, 18 now. She's 18, she's got a new life and a new identity and everything, but this still is the story of a young woman who's presumably had absolutely nothing to do with this production. Mm. And, I don't know, it impacts on her in a very big way, so I find that a bit worrying. Aside from all that, I feel like the class stuff is really important because... It's very hard to do a drama like this sensitively and I can see how they've tried to do that by framing Sheridan Smith as the lead character and making it more about her as like a very sympathetic, intelligent, working class woman who just cares about children and, you know, wants the community to feel safe. But at the same time, I feel like the portrait of the family is pretty horrible. Mm. Like there's no way to do it nicely because what happened was really horrible and terrible. But I still feel like at the heart of it, we've got a portrait of this family who are poor and are trying to make a quick buck. And we're already quite thin on the ground for like really good documentaries or films or dramas about working class people. And this doesn't seem to be helping. Mm. I don't know what you think. I agree with that, actually. When I was researching this a bit more, apparently Melanie Phillips, like well-known hateful mm. right-wing columnist at the time of the original kidnapping and the revelation about the mother's involvement wrote this column basically saying like poor people are greedy why are we surprised i can't help feeling that some of that sentiment has like crept into the drama mm. because yeah there are a few moments when i don't know you feel like judgments are being made on screen but then also you are being invited to judge as the viewer in a way that feels a bit unsavory yeah and we're meant to sort of find the Karen Matthews character quite neglectful of her other children when actually I feel like that didn't they conclude that there was no way they could possibly have predicted this case because she wasn't neglectful yeah. towards her other children and Absolutely. there's obviously lots of disagreement about whether this one woman was kind of led into it by like a sort of slightly dark older man figure who's the the uncle of her boyfriend or whether she masterminded it obviously these things are always going to be debated when you have crimes that make headlines in this way but it just seems weird to me to make all these judgments about people who are still alive and who went, especially when there are children involved who are still alive and it all just feels a bit uncomfortable. Yeah, so something that really gave me that feeling actually was, as I say, I was just like Googling to refresh my memory of the original case and The Telegraph has republished all of their court reporting mm. and stuff from the trial in 2008-9 with new headlines and new pictures and new publication dates of like this week. Mm to obviously get traffic off the back of the fact that this drama is on mm. 
And I don't know, that just, not that I really blame the Telegraph for doing that, like they're just doing their jobs, etc. But that made me feel really uncomfortable because I was like, there's a whole industry around the interest in this. Yeah, and I, I am as complicit in it as anyone else because I have a love of this kind of stuff. Like, I feel myself getting sucked into these ridiculous, scandalous, mm. true crime stories. And I kind of wish that that part of me didn't exist, but it does. So I feel conflicted because there have been so many things that we've loved, like Serial, that have similar problematic elements. Mm. This one seemed a little bit more in your face to me, and I probably can't put my finger quite on why, because as a drama, I think this is very good. If it yeah. was, if there wasn't any real-life story behind it, I'd probably think it was really, really good, apart from the fact that some of the portrayals of working class people seem a bit caricatured. The performances are really good and the script is really good and the twists and turns are, are all there. The plot is, is well driven. It's just that hurdle that I can't quite get over. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So last week I recommended Caroline, the recent album Process by Sampha, which came out this month, maybe last month. Very uh, recently. Very anyway. recently anyway. So Caroline, did you have a listen to that? I did indeed. And I found it so calming. Yeah. It's so lovely. It's like a kind of, I found it hard to categorize genre wise. Mm. I think you described it as a soul album, which yeah. I think is maybe right with a bit of like smooth R&B to it as well. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's really, really beautiful. I love the production on it. It sounds quite lo-fi but at the same time quality yeah it's pretty slick even mm. though it is yeah it's sort of got that kind of delicate roughness around the edges that mm. is still very slick and the particular song that you said you first came across it via the one no one knows no one knows me like the no piano one knows me like the piano called. the lyrics in that are so beautiful because mm. the whole sentence is no one knows me like the piano in my mother's house 
Mm. And it's all about like home and nostalgia and family. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's really, yeah, it's a gorgeous song. And I think that's maybe the single from the album, which mm. is why I've got, I came across it. And I think you did as well. Yeah. Yeah, I just find this really like great lying in the bath music. And the lyrics, as you say, are really interesting and really good. And I think there's a lot more to the lyrics than you kind of get on a first listen. Magnetic lights in the blue haze A magnifying glass upon my face It's so hot I've been melting out here I'm made out of plastic out here You touch down in the base of my fears Houston, can, can, can you hear? And we both had to harness our pain Closing hope at the case Oh, inhale and I'm up and away Up and away Yeah, you have to actually make yourself listen to them in a way because the music is so like smooth mm-hmm. that you can just let it wash over you. And I have like done some productive work listening to this album, mm-hmm. not paying any attention to the words and just like letting the kind of sound of it lull me along. But if you choose to listen, there's yeah. a lot going on in the words. Well, I'm super glad you enjoyed. Yeah. And I'd not come across Sanford at all. So before now, so I'm definitely going to look into what else he's done. So what about for me for next week? So I think I'm right in saying that you have not seen the Mel Brooks film Young Frankenstein. I have not. So I, feel... I can only assume it's very similar to the Daniel Radcliffe Frankenstein. <laughs> it's almost exactly the same. <laughs> Actually, there are similarities. But uh, 1974, Gene Wilder starring black and white film about, I think, the grandson of Victor Frankenstein, who as he insists, he's American, as he insists on telling people his name is Frederick Frankenstein. Um, <laughs> he is a scientist and a like, neurobiologist, and he's not interested in any of your, you know, revivifying the dead theories. <laughs> Until. Oh, dot, dot, dot. I love it. And it has all of the like classic hallmarks of a Mel Brooks film in that it's camp and silly and very, very funny. Okay, great. And I love Gene Wilder, so... That's exciting. Gene Wilder is like amazing in it. I mean, the film obviously has some like jokes that are very 1970s mm. about like women's breasts and stuff. Yeah. But Gene Wilder's performance, I think, is timeless. Amazing. Can't wait. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Seriously, the pop culture podcast from the New Statesman. If you enjoyed the show, why not subscribe to make sure you never miss another episode? We're available in all the usual places you get podcasts, including iTunes, where if you like, you could leave us a rating or a review. It helps other people find out about the show. Our next event, another Harry Potter quiz, goes on sale on the 15th of February at midday. Make sure you're following us on social media so you don't miss out on the chance to buy tickets. On our website, seriouslypod.com, you can find all our back episodes, plus our specials on Home Alone, Gilmore Girls, Harry Potter, Love Actually and Friends. We're available many other places on the internet, including on Twitter, Facebook and Tumblr. We're Seriously Pod on all of them. We love getting your recommendations for things we should feature on the show or just hearing your thoughts on what we've already discussed. Get in touch on social media or email us on seriouslypod at gmail.com. And if you feel strongly that more pop culture needs to be taken seriously, spread the word and tell your friends and family about the podcast.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.